Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast, approximately 45 minutes after the last Believe in Wizards podcast. Uh, not joining me this time, Jody White. I've got Greg Finberg with me here instead. Uh, slightly smaller, slightly younger, but just as uh, knowledgeable and informative about all things Wizards. So, Greg, thanks for coming on here and chatting about these uh, roster moves. Yeah, no problem, Matt. Big time roster moves to us, maybe not to some, but to Wizards fans. So I'm excited to be here and talk about it, break it down. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that they waited until the last minute. Makes me think that they had something cooking and weren't able to pull it off. And this is just what they they landed on. Uh, before we get going, brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, matchup reports, everything. I don't know if you can bet on who like a NBA team keeps for its final roster, but that would have been a fun one. Uh, it's the fastest and easiest way to place all your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games. Head to the website and use our promo code Believe B L E A V for fifty percent off your first uh, deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, yeah. So for anyone who hasn't seen this yet, uh, Taj Gibson and Xavier Cooks were the uh, last casualties of the roster moves that the Wizards have made. It seems like there's been a ton of them all offseason, uh, but these are the two biggest ones so far. Greg, and you, you and I talked about this before. I never once mentioned Taj Gibson because I just personally didn't see that coming. I thought they gave him so much money and they wanted his veteran leadership especially. And plus, they're just so small that they needed any bigs they could get. So... This one caught me off guard, although in retrospect, I'm like very okay with it because how many 38-year-olds do you need to rely on? And if he's there, Wes Unsell Jr. was going to play him at the expense of some young guys. So maybe they're saving Wes from themselves a little bit. Yeah, I didn't say Taj because I didn't think we were going to pay him $3 million to attend training camp and then move on from him. I didn't think that would be the case at all, but apparently that's what we did. And if if we really valued his veteran leadership that much to where, you know, other teams were offering him more and we had to up our offer, I guess. But mm-hmm. look, if it were me and you told me that I could cut Taj Gibson, I would have gone with Taj and I would have gone with Cook. So I'm very happy with this. The only reason that that Gil had to be included for me in my prediction is because I didn't think Taj would be a casualty. And I thought, you know, you have to move on from Gil. If you wanted veteran leadership, you got to pick between each of them. And we would go with the guy we paid $3 million to be our backup center. You know, right. the fact that Gil is staying here. It's great. I, I love Gil. Everyone that I've talked to thinks he's the best teammate they've ever had. Everyone in the organization talks highly of him. So I'm glad he's going to be here, you know, for another season, be that veteran mentor to show the young guys the way. Uh, but the thing about this that I, I want to touch on is we have to eat the salaries of these two players. You know, yeah. Xavier Cooks signed a four year, $6 million deal. And being under Tommy Shepard, we figured. It was an experiment that we would have taken the chance with, but you guys are coming in. It's it's unfortunate. I feel for for Cooks here because he got his finally got his NBA shot, and you know, just in terms of the GM being fired, everything that happened, it's not going to work out. I hope he gets another opportunity, but we have to pay him one point seven million this season, and then we have to pay Tosh Gibson three million this season, and that's the good thing about being on a, a rebuilding team. Like, it doesn't matter. We're not you know no. playing salary cap. You know. Right. We're not playing with it. We're not trying to get under the tax under the second apron like some of the teams. 
all we're doing here is bringing in a bunch of guys, seeing if they fit. And if not, we can eat their salary. Look at OKC, the amount of money that they've taken in. Look at Victor Oladipo, like a guy, they're not even going to play him, but they're like, we'll pay you if you give us picks, if you give us something in return. And, you know, Taj gave them veteran leadership in return. And, you know, Xavier Cooks is just, you know, a casualty of, you know, the old front office leaving and the new front office coming in. So if there is one downside, you know, we, we have to eat around $4.5 million in salary, but it's fine. It's not that big a deal. I think you nailed it there, right? Like this is the throw stuff against the wall and hope something sticks phase of the rebuild. And that's okay right now. I to be honest with you. I still think at 38 Taj is a better, more productive player than Gil is. So if you're considering giving either of them minutes, I probably would have gone Gibson of the three. I think there was a better chance that cooks was the most productive on the court, but a 28 year old rookie, like probably not in your long-term plans. So it's not the worst move in the world. I was texting with Jihadi a little bit when they made this move. He's headed to his kid's practice for the night, but he said that this is his idea of, in his mind, this is just them taking care of Tasha Gibson. Like he came here last year, he did them a solid to add them some like veteran leadership. He came back to camp, probably helped them, you know, figure out who to keep and all this kind of stuff. And, and maybe they're doing him a solid. I wouldn't be mad if they try to convert him into some kind of coaching position. I can't imagine any other NBA team is going to make a move to go get him at 38 at this point. If the Wizards couldn't even find space for you, I, I doubt, you know, a competitive ball club is going to be. So maybe that's okay. Cause I do think he'd be the right kind of guy to like have on your bench. And everybody said like he was going to be our Udonis Haslam, except he wasn't here for much of his career, but, but maybe, you know, officially making him a coach, let him work exclusively with Gafford. Maybe that helps. I don't know. And I guess maybe they feel like Gil has more to give, but either way, it doesn't really matter to me at the end of the day here. What you said about the salaries makes a lot of sense. So uh, overall, not mad at it. I think this is probably the best they could have done. And they kept the young guys, which I think we were all kind of generally worried about. So that that's fine by me. Yeah, to your last point about the young guys, when I put out the tweet yesterday reminding Wizards fans, look, we have 17 guys, two are going to be cut. These are the four guys I think are on the bubble. First thing, I didn't even I didn't put Taj Gibson there because I didn't think we were going to pay him $3 million not to play. But that's the side right. point. The yeah. fact that you mentioned going youth over over these guys is something that I tried to, to you know hone in on. And I put Rollins there. And, and I, a lot of people, like, you just literally tweeted about how much you think Rollins should make the roster. How are you going to put him here? And a lot of people were coming at me like, look, I might think a certain way, but I'm also not making the decisions here. Mm-hmm. Ryan Rollins came in as trading you know, piece in the Jordan Poole trade. He wasn't the focal point. He wasn't specifically signed. He was an, an add-in in the Jordan Poole trade. I'm sure we added him in for a reason. But at the end of the day, sometimes teams make decisions like that where some guy might be really good. He might be younger, but they just value the experience. They value certain things like that. Um, but I, obviously, I'm excited and I'm happy that we sided with youth here over some of the older guys, I I never think that a 38-year-old guy who's just going to be a veteran mentor should be taken, taken up a roster spot over Patrick Baldwin Jr., someone who's only in year two, 20 years old, has really good upside, really good potential, not there yet. But even at this rate, he might be able to contribute as much as Taj can. So I just, I was never of the mindset that these guys at 20 and 21 shouldn't be taken over guys like Gill at 30, Cooks 28, Gibson especially at 38. Going with the youth in this rebuild movement just makes so much sense. And I'm happy about about Dawkins doing that and doing exactly what, honestly, I would have done if I was in his shoes. I would have moved on from Gibson. Um, and, I, and I like what you said. Jihadi makes a good point. Like, what we don't realize in this business is all we see is he got paid $3 million and he got cut. We don't understand that 
sometimes, you know, the wizard can be like, look, we appreciate everything you've done for us. We, we have 3 million that we can play with. Here you go. We're going to pay you. You can come to training camp. Maybe we'll give you a job afterwards, but you know, that's something that people don't really consider when thinking about it. So it's, it's a really good insight from Jihadi, of course. Yeah, maybe they do him a solid and that agent does us a solid later. I don't know. It seems like mm-hmm. that's what teams think. I never really hear much about agents giving teams a solid on the way back, but I don't know. The thought is out there. Uh, anything else on the Gibson or Cooks situation here, Greg? Yeah, I'm, it, I also I, I touched on it a little earlier. I do feel really bad for Xavier Cooks. It, it's, yeah. it sucks that he won the NBL MVP he really proved himself overseas after not getting much of a shot in the NBA. He finally gets his chance to come over here, and the old regime just gets taken out like a month after he gets here. He only played 10 games, averaged 3.8 points, 3.8 rebounds, under an assist per game. And it wasn't like he was bad. He did decent in summer league. You know, He rebounded really well, played really well for Australia over the summer. It's just it's an unfortunate part of the business. Some guys don't get as lucky as others. You know, So hopefully he lands on his feet, he finds a deal. Um, and it does suck that, you know, it goes all the way to this point where he finally gets cut right before the season. And it's yeah. a little tough because I don't know if he's going to find another job in the NBA. You know, I'm sure someone will take him in the NBL. He was the best player last year, but you know, I do feel badly, but again, it's an unfortunate part of the business. I don't know who the Sydney Kings GM is off the top of my head, but I imagine that they just had their phone like speed dial queued up mm-hmm. and they were like ready to hit send the minute that Shams reported that. Cause They'll take him back in a heartbeat. I guess the question is whether another NBA team would. I kind of doubt it personally, exactly for the reason you just said. Like, it's so late in the game here. Are they going to cut one of their established, more well-entrenched guys to make room for for Cooks, knowing that they haven't really seen much of him? I feel a little less bad for him because he did get to play some NBA minutes last year when he joined late. So at least he got to live out, assuming it's a dream of his, uh, you know, the dream of playing in the NBA for a little bit. So, um, you know, not, not too bad of a gig to get a million and a half dollars or whatever it is to just, uh, to go about your business. So, uh, good luck to him. Um, I know Sam Vecini was high on him and thinks other front offices would like him too. So we'll see what that would look like. Uh, Greg, you have like five more minutes for me here. Yeah, go ahead. I, I got, I got like five, 10 minutes. We're good. Okay, cool. So uh, the other thing you tweeted out, uh, the Denny Avdia contract, mm-hmm. uh, Jahadi and I just recorded and talked about how if it was descending, we would feel even better about that. And it would be a masterclass for uh, Dawkins and company to pull off the same thing they did with Kuzma. And uh, the numbers look like 15 and a half ish for the first year, a little less than 14 and a half the second year, just over 13 for the third year and just under 12 million for the fourth year. That is actual goat level work from Will Dawkins and company because paying him $11 million and change in 2028 uh, whether he's the exact same player he is now or then is great and also makes him even more tradable potentially because if he continues to improve like we all hope he will and think he will that's going to be just an absolute effing steal so um uh, you know I'm, I'm i'm golf clapping for anyone not watching <laughs> the video feed of this for for the yeah. front office in the in the spaces uh, i did yesterday i had a bunch of wizards fans coming up and i would i would say at least a third of them their main point was, I'm fine with this. It better be descending because I don't want to be in year four with Denny at 26 or 27. He hasn't progressed, and I'm paying him $15 million. I don't want that. And that's fair, and I understand that. But for for Will Dawkins to, to do exactly what he did here, the descending contract, you load it up in the front and make sure your guy gets his money when he can. And then mm-hmm. towards the back end, it's so it's smaller, 
so you can trade it. And I'll break it down why this is why this is so good for rebuilding teams because these first two years we're not going to be great. We're not going to be you know you know battling the cap for you know trying to find the little room we have the last couple of years. We have the ability to pay guys like him and pay guys like Kuz more money than maybe they deserve in the beginning half of the contract. But in the year two or year three, year four, year five, when we're you know trying to compete, we're signing some free agents, we're trying to get better. These guys won't be getting paid that much money. They're honestly going to be getting underpaid. I mean, Kuz at nineteen million dollars in year four of this deal is an absolute steal. So the same guy that we thought was going to get thirty plus million per season, all, like all the way back in June, it's so nice because not only you know benefits the player, they're still getting the same amount of money they would have gotten, but it also is beneficial to the team as well because they can move on from the player if it doesn't work out. And if it does, and, and they keep them for the, the latter part of their deal, they're playing a, a guy on a contract that is a complete bargain, a complete steal, mm -hmm. and that allows you to sign other free agents to build your roster around those guys that aren't getting paid as much money. So I don't know why more teams don't deploy it. I understand like Boston, Philly, you know, you're battling against the cap. You don't want to have high contracts right now. You want to have lower contracts now. But for a team like the Wizards that can afford it, that doesn't need to be great the next couple of years, I mean, it's the philosophy that we should have adopted and the Will Dawkins did. And that's why, I mean, every Wizards fan, it's a honeymoon stage right now. I mean, you know, the same thing happened when I thought Tommy Shepard was, you know, our Lord and Savior. I thought he was going to come in and save the team and he, he didn't. So obviously, you know, you got to keep an open mind here, but Will Dawkins is killing it so far. When, uh, Bertans looked really good and they made the Gafford trade. I was like, holy shit, Tommy is the truth. Mm -hmm. And then that uh, went uh, downhill from there for the most part. I, I think what you just said is 100% true. I agree with all of it. The only thing I'll add to that is it actually might be better for the players to front load this money. You get it all up front. Mm -hmm. You can invest it right now. You get interest on that money that you wouldn't get otherwise. So you're making your money work for you more of it quicker. That's actually even better. So I, I think this is great. And yeah, I, I couldn't love what the front office is doing um even more we just lost greg here so we'll see if he gets back here in a second in the meantime uh big j 52 says i'm good with those guys a little annoying that gill is still holding spot but okay let's go uh, yeah i'm with you overall and then uh samuel hershey said what a difference a competent front office makes totally agree with that all right we got greg back here so yeah i think that um no it's okay I, it's a it's a great move the other thing they did today, uh, the Wizards filled their final two-way contract with John Butler Jr. For anyone not familiar, he's a seven-foot sort of wing-forward type out of Florida State. Always loved the young athletic guys at Florida State. I wouldn't pay attention to the college numbers. He was like five and change. But uh, six G League games last year, about eight, eight points per game, four rebounds, three and a quarter blocks per game, which is crazy. And he shot like 35% from three. I think that's the intriguing part for him. He's mobile enough to move his feet. He can protect the rim. And uh, he can also stretch the floor. So whether he profiles long-term as a wing, a four, a five, it, it doesn't really matter. He's like total like house money at this point to try out for the go-go. And honestly, they could use another couple like flexible modern bigs. So um, th this is another just like absolute no-brainer move for me. And, and I love this one. I like it as well. I, I wouldn't pay too much mind, like you said, to the college numbers. Florida State's a little weird with Lender Hamilton. Scotty Barnes was the fourth overall pick. He's playing really well in the NBA. He was the sixth man there. He didn't even start. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that. It's he has all the intangibles, the length, you know, the size at seven foot, the shooting touch from especially from the outside of space to the floor. He just needs to add weight. It's certain guys like this where sometimes like Chris Boucher, 
you know how to play, you know how to use your weight. But even then, I mean, Chris Boucher is a liability sometimes on defense. He has the length, but if you put him against Embiid as your center, he's going to get bullied. Even against a guy like Gafford, he's going to get bullied. And and Gafford usually gets worked by those guys. I mean, so does everyone. No one can stop Embiid and Jokic. But when you're that small or, or and that skinny as a center, it's really hard to find you playing time if you're not a dead-eye shooter and you're not getting equally as much production offensively as you're taking away defensively. So if he can add weight, I don't see why he can't play. And look, he's the, the third center on this team. I mean, we have two centers, Muscala and Gaff, and maybe Gallinari plays center as well. But if you're going based on just position, we don't have a third center after we waived charge. So that third two-way spot, it was, you know, we, we mentioned this the other day, you know, it's great when you have a guard, a forward, and a center as your two-way spots. You don't just have three guards or, or three forwards. You have that positional, you know, versatility. And, you know, look, if something happens, unfortunately, to one of the centers, you know, John Butler is going to be next up. So I'm excited to see what he has. I can't imagine he plays much actual minutes as like a real five mm-hmm. unless they're going super small just because he is so slight. You mentioned that uh, his combine weight was 175. I think last year they listed him at 195. He looks like he filled out a little bit. Always going to be kind of a skinny guy. I saw a few people on the the Bulls Forever board complaining that he only has a 7'3 wingspan as a seven footer. That's still a shit ton of length to shoot over. And if he can move his feet like a wing and stay in front of people, try shooting over that. It's just going to be impossible for people. So I think they'll deploy him as like this like long uh, wing guy that can potentially be a weak side shot blocker for people and and just let him like cause havoc out there. And, and Gill is probably the guy I would assume is next up as a small ball five, or maybe they'll try more Gallinari, which either way is going to be a mess. So I'm not opposed to trying to give Butler a few minutes there. I just... Yeah, he he's he's got to get some um some protein shakes going or something between now and then <laughs> to to really be able to handle that. Uh, mm-hmm. Greg, any other final thoughts here before we get out of here? Will Dawkins is killing it, man. I have no complaint. I I think he's actually you know hit it out of the park this this off season from the signings, from the structure of his contracts, to the trades he's made, to the draft picks he's made. I have no complaints. I'm just excited for for it to get started on Wednesday. Can't wait for for Indiana. Yeah, the last thing I'll throw out there real quick too is for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, the the most common question I think all of us got all week was, what is with the Exhibit 10s where we sign you and then immediately wave mm-hmm. you? There's a $75,000 roster bonus for anybody that signs an Exhibit 10 contract, gave them the opportunity to be converted to a standard uh, veteran minimum contract, which none of them actually got. They also could have been converted to a two-way contract with none of them, none of them ultimately got. So what this really means is you get a 75K bonus to go play on the G League team. So as opposed to making like 40 K next year, these guys will make a hundred some K and especially for the chase Odijas of the world, you know, that, that don't have European experience, no matter what, you know, conference you played in as a college player, you probably weren't going to make six figures as a rookie overseas. So if you can make six figures to stay here in the U S and potentially have a shot at being called up for an NBA team, if those guys get a 10 day later in the year and they get 400, 500 K, whatever the case may be, that's totally worth betting on themselves. So you've made it um, worthwhile for them financially to stay around and then still have an upside of even more money down the road. Mm-hmm. So another like masterclass way to like perfectly leverage the cap and the opportunities they have with that contract. Yeah. Like you said, it just basically, it, it incentivizes them. You know, look, we really want you to play on our team. We're, we're willing to pay you a lot more, especially with a guy like Hamadou Diallo. I'm sure a lot of people put in some you know, waiver claims for him. People wanted him. So 
you know, it's someone I'm, I'm excited to see. And, and we have a really good, really talented pool of players for the G League. So excited to see how we can develop them. And and I'm maybe towards the end of the season, if we make some trades, we open up some spots, we'll see some of them at the, the NBA level. Yeah, well said. All right, Greg, for anyone, if they're catching this and they aren't following you for whatever reason, how do they go about finding your work? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Greg Finberg, uh, F-I-N-B-E-R-G. And you can follow me. Um, you know, I just have a Wizards podcast. It's called, literally called the Wizards podcast. Matt was graciously kind enough to, to join me. It's a great episode that I just posted today. So if you want, go listen to that. We preview the Wizards season, you know, talk about predictions, over-unders, stuff like that. Uh, and again, make sure, I say this every time, you're listening to Believe in Wizards. I am a seasoned vet. I can't tell you the last time I missed an episode. Um, Jihadi's great as well. So make sure you, you're following Matt, you're following Believe in Wizards, and you're listening to this. It's a, it's a great show. It really is. Yeah. If you're a part two is showing up in your feed here because you only download one episode at the time, there is a part one that Jihadi and I did an hour and a half before mm -hmm. this. Uh, so go check the hour out, anybody. Uh, but Greg, thanks for jumping on last minute. And uh, Wizards fans, mm -hmm. I think uh, Wednesday's coming and it can't come soon enough. So we're looking forward to it. Presented by betonline.ag and we will catch you all next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel and I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.